This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word and go with me to the Gospel according to Mark. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6. We'll begin reading in verse number 30. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 30. We come to uh, what is commonly known as the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, as we study this passage together, we pray that God by His Spirit would draw out these truths to us. As we read, beginning in verse number 30, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And He said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things." When the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and, buy, and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sit down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. Verse 42, And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. I'd like for you, if you would please, to notice what the Bible says in verse number 34. That when Jesus came out, he saw the people, he was moved with compassion toward them. Then notice this phrase, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. I'm going to speak to you on the subject this morning, sheep with no shepherd. Sheep with no shepherd. As the Lord looked upon this multitude, he, he saw them as helpless indefensible animals, sheep, wandering on the hillside with no strength, 
to protect themselves against the predators that waited uh, with a natural inclination that made them prone to develop disease. The kind of animal that needs to be led to pastures where they can eat the green grass or else they will starve. The kind of animal that must be led to still waters because they will not drink from moving water. And if there is no still water, they will die of thirst. They are by nature the kind of animal that must have a shepherd like a baby must have a mother. Uh, a child needs a parent. Sheep need a shepherd. When the Lord Jesus looked upon this multitude, he had compassion upon them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. They were helpless, indefensible, wandering, straying souls. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you have a shepherd? Do you have a shepherd? David said with assurance of his soul in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I want to tell you there's no statement that you can make that brings more confidence than that statement, The Lord is my shepherd. We think about these young people who are graduating from high school and going into college and those who are graduating from college and their lives are before them. I want you to know that we can have assurance about what God will do in their lives if they will seek to follow Him because He is their shepherd. All the things that we as parents uh, toss and turn and, and, and consider and wonder about and question about our children and their future, I want you to know that God has all those answers. And if they will follow Him, He will safely lead them uh, into His will. And he will give them a wonderful, blessed life. You see, Jesus looked at the people as sheep with no shepherd because Jesus is the shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He is the shepherd. He refers to himself as the great shepherd, and he refers to himself as the chief shepherd. He is the one true shepherd. And if you desire rest for your soul today, you will find it in no other place and in no other person but the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter number 10 and verse number 11, the Bible said that Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd who giveth his life for the sheep. I want to tell you why I can be assured that though I am one of the sheep, I, I am not just one of the sheep, I am one of his sheep. And I have everlasting life, and Satan cannot destroy my soul because Jesus gave his life for me. He died on the cross and made the payment for my sin. He rose again victorious over the devil and over sin and over hell, and he offered to me eternal life. And Jesus said, no man can pluck me or you, if you know him, out of his hand. He gave his life for his sheep. Are you one of his? Or are you among those who are in the multitude this morning without a shepherd, hungry, diseased, lonely, afraid, and wandering aimlessly through life as if everything is up to you? Well, it isn't. You can have a shepherd.
that shepherd is Jesus. I want you to note three things with me in this passage this morning. I want you to see, first of all, the shepherd's care for his sheep. The shepherd's care for his sheep. The Bible says in verse 30, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. The disciples were returning from the trip that he, the Lord Jesus, had sent them on. He, if you'll remember, he sent them on a preaching tour through Galilee, and he gave them power on that preaching tour to proclaim his message and perform uh, wonderful works which would testify of Jesus. And no doubt they had a very fruitful ministry. In fact, it is through the preaching of these apostles that Herod heard about Jesus. And so now they have returned unto Jesus, and they are telling him what what was accomplished in that preaching tour. In Luke chapter 10 and verse number 3, Jesus referred to his disciples that he sent to preach the gospel. He referred to them as lambs among wolves. You see, these, these disciples were his sheep. And as they come back, they're saddened, no doubt, by the news of John the Baptist's death. Perhaps fear has gripped their hearts, and they're wondering, what will become of them? And in verse number 31, we see the care of the shepherd for his sheep. Look, if you would, please. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Here they are. They've returned to the Lord Jesus. But as they returned, they're not alone with Jesus. The multitude is there. And the multitude brings a multitude of needs. Healings and demonic, uh, demonic possession and all of the afflictions that they suffered. And they've, they've come to Jesus. They've come to his disciples who they know now have the power themselves to perform miracles. And there is such a strain upon them. There is such a demand upon their lives that there is no leisure. There's no rest. They don't even have time to stop and eat a meal. Maybe you find yourself there this morning stretched to the limit, nearly worn and frazzled. I want you to notice the gracious invitation of Jesus. He said, come ye yourselves apart, apart from the crowd, apart from everything else, into a desert place. That means a place of solitude, a place that is remote a place that is away from the demands and pressures and stresses of life. Come into that desert place with me and rest a while. Now we'll note throughout the remainder of this chapter that though they endeavored to do that, they never found that place away from the crowd. We don't read that they went to the beach and checked into a resort for a few days. We we don't see them getting on a cruise ship and spending time alone with Jesus. No, we see them accompanied by the crowd with the demands continuing. And by the way, doesn't life work that way? As a mother, as a father, as an employee, an employer, as a Christian, as a servant of God, the demands don't ever seem to go away. You might find some days of respite, you might find some times and periods of, of breaks, but those demands are there. Those of you who serve in the ministry, uh, those of you who teach a, a Sunday school class or, or, or work 
uh, on a bus route, uh, those of you who are engaged in, in making a difference in the lives of people, you know that the demands never cease. You know that the needs are always great. And so Jesus, in his gracious care for his sheep, sees that. You know, sometimes we can get sort of under the load and think nobody cares. <laughs> well, that's the lie of the devil, isn't it? Can I tell you who cares? Jesus. We may think nobody recognizes what we're doing, but may I tell you that Jesus recognizes what you're doing? And caring for those small children and toiling in your home and toiling in your place of employment and serving in the ministry and all the pressures and stresses and demands that come with that, Jesus sees and he cares and he invites you to find your rest in him. And by the way, you can find that on a daily basis by just choosing to get alone, unplugging from the world and getting in the Word of God and in a time of prayer. And you will be, uh, I, I believe many of you will be surprised, you will be pleasantly surprised at the wonderful grace of God and the strength at, that you will draw from Him as you spend time in His presence. And maybe life has gotten mundane and life has gotten difficult and all you need is just one glimpse of the Savior's face. And may I say this to you that all of us have the opportunity to do that on a daily basis. We don't have to live under stress and with a scowl. <laughs> no, no, we can live in the sweet presence of the Lord Jesus and it is a choice that we must make. We see the shepherd's care for his sheep. I want you to note a second thing here. We see the shepherd's compassion for all sheep. The disciples get on a boat privately. They go across the sea, and the people saw them. I'm talking about the crowd, the multitude that never goes away. They see Jesus. They wonder, where is he going? Where are the disciples going? Ah, oh, there they are. They're getting in that ship, and, and they're watching as that ship sets sail, and they say, well, we know those routes. We know where they're going. So the people are running along the shore. Perhaps the waves are contrary and it slows the ship in getting across the sea. Nevertheless, we find this, that the people outran Jesus and the disciples. And the Bible says in verse number 34, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people. There they were. I can see the shock on the faces of the disciples. I thought we were getting away for some rest. Oh, no. They're still here. And Jesus saw them. And notice what the Bible says. He was moved with compassion. Jesus, the Son of God, when he looks upon the sea of humanity and the, uh, the tremendous needs of mankind, the Bible said he is moved with compassion. To be moved here speaks of being moved inwardly in the seat of his emotions where he experienced pain. It stirred him. It brought grief to his heart that these sheep were as sheep having no shepherd, scattered, wandering, indefensible sheep. And he could see the animals of prey as they walked about looking for for the easiest victim that they could make their next meal. 
You see, the Lord looks upon this sea of humanity with compassion and love. Our God is a God of compassion and tender mercies. At the grave of Lazarus, what did he do? He wept. When he saw the, the widow who was bringing her son's body to the burial ground, what did he do? He was moved with compassion. When they brought to him the woman taken in adultery and she stood before him guilty and condemned, what did he do? Moved with compassion, he forgave her of her sins and he sent her away free and forgiven. That's our God. He looks on the faces of the poor, the sick, the needy. He looks at the scattered sheep who have no shepherd and he is moved with compassion. And do you know what the shepherd does? He feeds the sheep. You remember when Jesus was talking to Peter after his resurrection? Three times he said to Peter in that conversation, If you love me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to feed my sheep. That was his, that was his directive to Peter. And when Peter writes his epistle, he says to the pastors, he said, Make sure you're doing one thing. Make sure you are feeding the flock of God. Can I tell you what the shepherd does? It's very simple. He feeds the sheep. That's what the shepherd does. And notice when Jesus is moved with compassion, notice what he does. And it may surprise us. In fact, we know it would surprise many in our world. Notice what he does, verse 34. Moved with compassion, he began to teach them many things. He didn't open the soup kitchen, although there's nothing wrong with having a soup kitchen. He didn't open a bread line, and those things are needed today. And those are the things that most of the people in the community of Bethsaida, where they were, and most of the people in the community of Hickory would say, this is what you ought to be doing if you want to make a difference. But that's not what Jesus did. What did he do? He taught them. He gave them the truth because that was the great need of their life, to know the truth. In Hosea chapter 4 and verse number 6, the prophet writes these words, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I remember my son yesterday was involved in a conversation with my wife and he was talking about somebody that he worked with and he said, that person's had a rough life. In other words, there's a, a level of behavior, there's a level of responsiveness in that person that has been shaped by the fact that they've had a rough life. A lot of people here have had a rough life. A lot of people here are going through some very difficult things, and we live in a world full of difficulties, and we see people responding and reacting. Yesterday, with my son-in-law visiting on the bus route, I, I, I met some families who, they need some teaching. They need to know that God loves them. They need to know that God has the answer for every need of their life. And they're, they're looking for a shepherd, but they're looking in all the wrong places. They're not coming to the table. They're not coming to the truth of God's Word. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, in order to feed these sheep, give them the truth of His Word. That's what they need. We live in a, a nation and we live in a world that has rejected largely the truths of God's Word, and we wonder how such abhorrent behaviors can take place in our world. We wonder how 
uh, the enemies of God can spew so venomously without any fear of God against Him and against His Word. It's because our people have been destroyed by lack of knowledge. What you need to know for your marriage, what you need to know for your home, what you need to know for your life is the truth of God's Word. That's why we as a church must continue faithfully in the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. That's why it's important for you as a church member to be in the house of God Sunday morning to hear the truths of God's Word. And by the way, we do that again on Sunday night. And we do it again on Wednesday. Because we don't need less of God's truth, we need more of God's truth. When we look at what's happening in our world and the way people think, we wonder how in the world did this happen? We need to work overtime to communicate the truths of God's Word to a lost and dying world. But we also need to do that to communicate it to God's sheep. His people who know Him as Savior. And so Jesus gives them the truth of His Word. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 when the Lord Jesus was was answering the devil during his temptation in the wilderness. Jesus said, Matthew 4, 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, by physical bread, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You see, the Lord's main objective here is to feed the sheep. I invite you to turn with me, if you would, please, to John chapter number 6. We'll see this. In John chapter number 6, we have the record of this very miracle that we're reading of here in Mark chapter 6. And after the people have eaten the bread and the fishes, they, they like the idea that they can get free bread and free fish. If the captain's galley had a free dinner today, I think a lot of you would be there, right? We say, well, that's pretty nice. We like it. We'll listen to whoever's going to talk as long as we get the bread and the fish. And so in John chapter 6 and verse number 25, the Bible said, and when they found him, they were looking for him. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you. The word verily there just means truly. Of a truth, here's what I have to say to you. This is what I know to be right. This is what I know to be true. Ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, in other words, it wasn't because you saw the miracles and you thought, this is the Son of God. That's not why you're coming to see me. No, no. You're coming because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. What they were seeking, they were seeking for physical bread. They wanted their belly full. Notice verse 27. And labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. You know, it's a funny thing. When you eat, it's just a few hours you're ready to eat again. But when you eat the bread of life, when you receive the truth of the Word of God, that is everlasting fulfillment. And so he said, don't labor for the bread that's going to perish. Labor for the meat that will endure unto everlasting life. Notice, if you would, verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. They said, Therefore unto him, What sign showest thou, 
then that we may see and believe. He's already shown them so many signs. What dost thou work? In other words, feed us again. Verse 31, they tell the story about the, the fathers eating bread in the wilderness, the manna. And Jesus says to them, he says in verse number 48, I am the bread of life. Jesus tells them in verse number 63, if you'll look there with me, it is the spirit that quickeneth or makes alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and are life. You see, the great need of humanity is not just to have their belly full. The great need of humanity is to have their souls redeemed. It is to have the work of the Holy Spirit of God enlighten the dark soul of man and bring them back into fellowship and union with God to walk with Jesus, to know his word, to live by his word, and to experience the pleasure of serving him and an eternity in his presence. And the Lord Jesus said to them, he said, you guys have got it all wrong. You're seeking the wrong thing. I'm amazed at how many people who call themselves Christians are looking for the wrong kind of bread and have no taste for the true bread. We read in verse number 66 that many in that crowd didn't like what Jesus said. Notice, if you would, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. You see, they were sheep, but they weren't his sheep. They would follow him as long as he met the conditions that they placed upon him, but they would not follow him as the shepherd, and so they walked no more with him. Notice verse 67, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Here's the difference between all those sheep and his sheep. Here's the difference. And we believe. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sin? Do you believe that he will bless and guide you if you'll follow him? He said, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. As sheep, we have come under your care. You are our shepherd. We note the compassion that the shepherd has for all sheep. But there's a distinction between all sheep and his sheep. The difference is his sheep believe on him. John 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Are you among his sheep? Then thank God for that. If you're not among his sheep, let me tell you that he loves you and he is moved with compassion toward you and he will meet the needs of your soul. I want you to notice finally here this morning, we see the shepherd's care for his sheep and the shepherd's compassion for all sheep. And finally, we see the shepherd's command to his sheep. The shepherd's command to his sheep. The disciples came to Jesus in verse number 35. 
The Bible tells us the timing. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him, and they said, this is a desert place. There's nothing here. There's no Walmart. There's no, there's no Arby's. There's no Zaxby's. There's no Chick-fil-A. And dreadfully, there's no Cracker Barrel. There's no fish markets here. There's no bakeries here. We're in a desert place. And it's late in the day. So we have a plan, Lord. Verse 36, send them away. Sounds like a Baptist plan, doesn't it? There's too many problems to deal with. Send them away. We don't have the budget for that. Send them away. We don't have the time for that. Send them away. We don't have the resources for that. Send them away. Send them away that they might do what, verse 36? That they might go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread. For they have nothing to eat. They rightly diagnosed the need, didn't they? At least the physical. But they wrongly prescribed the answer. Send them away. Let them take care of themselves. Then Jesus shocks them. Verse 37, he answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat. <laughs> Can you see their faces when he told them that? What? <laughs> Are you serious? Us? Give them to eat? I can hear them in the back, you know, after the meeting's over, after the meeting is finished. Can you believe he told us to feed them? <laughs> I think it's really, he's, he's starting to, you know, I think this has affected him. Doesn't he realize we don't have any money? There is no place to eat around here. Uh, what, what in the world is he thinking? And so we read the passage. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? In fact, Philip, in John chapter 6, when he mentioned that, he said, Even if we bought 200 penny worth, it would only mean that everyone could take a little. What meager faith they had, right? What meager faith you and I often have in light of the command of Christ. Jesus responds to them. He says, no, that's, that's not necessary, fellas. Look in verse 38. He asked them a question. How many loaves have ye? Then he says, go and see. Don't, don't just tell me. Investigate. Make sure. Take an account. Find out what we have. And so they come back to him, verse 38. Five loaves and two fishes. And so they've, they've listed all the objections to the command. We, we don't have enough money. If we did, we don't know where to get it. And everybody could only have just a little bit. And now we've only got five loaves and two fishes. And as, as Peter said in John 6, verse 9, what are they among so many? Well, that was a great question, wasn't it? Jesus is going to give the answer. So after the objections were given, what does Jesus do? Notice in verse number 39, And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. So he divides this massive multitude into companies of fifties and hundreds, and he has them sit down in sections, in ranks, upon the green grass. 
Verse 41, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. Notice verse 42, and they did all eat and were, would you say the last word with me, church? Filled. They didn't just take a little, did they? They were all filled. In fact, they were all filled to the point where, you know, you kept passing the basket. The guy said, no, 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 no more for me. I'm stuffed. Here, put that in the to-go box. And they had 12 of them. One for every disciple as a reminder of what God can do. Oh, no, I couldn't possibly eat another bite. Put this in the to-go box. Hey, Peter, how much food you got left? Oh, my word, I, I'm telling you, I can't even get the basket in my arms. I'm going to need help carrying it. It's full. That's what God can do. You see, what little they brought to him, he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it back to them. Sometimes we're hoarders, you know. We hold, hold on to all of our resources. We complain because we don't have more. We, we complain because we don't have more time. We don't have more ability. We don't have more talent. We don't have more finances. We, we, we just complain about all of those things. And what we do is we hold on to everything that we have, our meager loaves and our meager fishes. But if we'll learn to bring them to Jesus, and we'll allow him to bless it and break it. You know what we'll find? He'll give it back to us. And then he'll use us to give it to the multitude. And some of us have long since quit giving ourselves to Jesus. And we don't experience the blessing of serving him. And our Christian life seems to be withering. And we're bored. And we're looking for some other answer. But there is no other answer. May God help us to bring our provisions to him. To get back into the business of serving the multitude. So he blessed it, he broke it, he multiplied it. And 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, all went home with a full belly. Now, I want to give you just a, a few concluding thoughts. Though they all went home with a full belly, they did not all go home with a forgiven soul because they did not receive the true bread. Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Have you recognized that you're a sinner without God, without hope? Are you willing to call upon Him, believe upon Him? Are you willing to take him as your Savior today? I invite you, if you've never done that, I, I'm not asking you if you've ever been through a ceremony or a ritual. I'm asking you, have you placed your faith and trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you turned to him and by faith received him as your Savior? The Bible said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you done that believing from your heart, confessing him with your mouth? If you haven't, I invite you to do that today. Because though they ate, 
Though their bellies were full, their souls were not forgiven. Are you a Christian, one of his disciples, weary and worn, drifting away with no peace, no provision, no progress in your life? That's what you find in this chapter. What was Jesus teaching them to do? To depend upon him and to rest in him. Jesus has compassion for the sheep of this world. May God's people be filled with compassion and love. You know, I think those of us who've grown up in certain areas of the world and around certain norms, as we've seen people start living outside of those norms, we sort of look at them not with compassion, but with disdain and contempt. And may God forgive us of that. And may God fill our hearts with love and compassion. When Jesus met the physical needs of their bodies to demonstrate his power to meet the spiritual needs of their soul. Have you lost faith in Jesus and his ability to work? And his ability to deliver and his ability to provide? Jesus can use your meager provisions and he can use you to minister to the multitude. If you're willing to obey his command, to bring your resources to him, and to use them to feed others. When we get disinterested in that, God will get disinterested in us. And may God help us as a church to bring our provision to him, to allow him to bless and break it, so that we might take it to the sheep who have no shepherd. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.